So this is it then? What do you mean? Well, it's Matt Smith's last episode. I mean, you sounded the most like him when we started, so you got to play the Doctor in all of our sketches. Now he's regenerating, someone else can have a go. I wouldn't be so sure about that. Sorry, are you having a stroke? No, I'm just going down to Loch Ness to paint my face blue and toss a haggis at some tartan. No, sorry, you're not playing the Doctor with that accent. I... I suppose you could do better. Will? I cannot see that I can, laddie. Um, why are you both speaking like idiots? Aye, that's a very racist thing to say, Alpha. Aye, that it is, McCandish, that it is. If you don't stop speaking in that ridiculous way, I'm going to hit you on the head with me sporran. Although it is... Oddly addictive. Aye, that it is. This episode of the Oodcast is sponsored by the Scottish National Party. Together we can make Scotland better. Remember to vote yes. Hey, you got the uh, the stuff. The what? You know, the, the the merchandise, the stuff, the product, the drugs. Nah, I'm actually an undercover cop with the CPD. You know. Christmas Police Department. I was wondering if you could introduce me to your network of supplies. In your dreams, pig. Hmm. Well, that didn't go as well as I hoped. Wonder what tipped him off. CPD Well, hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Oodcast. And finally, the merry jingle of Christmas bells is upon us. The frosty bite of winter is in the air and the turkeys are a-roasting on the fires of hell. No, no, they're not. They're not (laughs) roasting on the fires of hell, but it is Christmas. And that's because... um, Just to give some context, we have just watched the men's Wimbledon final. Yes. (laughs) We're a timely bunch. That's right, it's time for us to discuss the time of the Doctor, this last Christmas special. So, with me today, we have the sexy and bedimpled Chris Sigma. Hi, bedimpled isn't a word. (laughs) It is now, looking at your face. And also we have another chap who's got dimples, Chris Alpha. Hello, and I'm still married. That's that's going well. Excellent. Good work. Mm. Keep on with that. <laughs> and to my left, we have the redoubtable Andrew Candish. Mm. Hi. Hi. Hi there. Hi. Hi. You're about to move house there, Andy. I am about to move house. Mm. I am about, oddly enough, because the last in the last episode, I've just moved house. But that was recorded six months ago. 
And now I'm about to move house again. Crazy Why are stuff. you doing that? Because I'm about to go to drama school. No, because Wimbledon's just finished. He doesn't need to live yeah. there anymore. Yeah. yeah, the <laughs> competitive advantage has gone. Also, I think if we made a word cloud out of all the descriptions of Andy that we've ever given, Redoubtable would be pretty big in the middle, it I think. It would, wouldn't it? How about Redoubtable? Yeah, that's kind of what I said, wasn't it? <laughs> or as Tom Baker said, Indomitable. Well, that's a different word, but okay. What I would about... call you Indomitable too, actually, Andy. Abominable. I would call you Indomitable <laughs> because you're kind of bubbly also. So... Let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start, my love. So I'd like to start with a small criticism of okay. the episode. You, you open on a beautiful vista of a planet surrounded by an asteroid belt. It's majestic. It's incredible. There's a very sort of, there's a narration that's pregnant with atmosphere. It's a sort of a fantastic visual and aural image. You paint and quite then, a picture. Mm. Yes, I know, because so does this. <laughs> right up until the point where they make the noise that they're using to make for the for the message that went out to everybody, and it's like, beep, 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 like Beaker somehow escaped into space <laughs> and is giving a message that strikes everybody with terror. It's like, oh, what if it had been boop, beep, boop, beep, 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 He totally would escape out into space, Beaker, though, wouldn't he? He would be like... Testing an invention. He would be fired accidentally into space, I think. Maybe that is what happened. (laughs) Well, my feeling is just that maybe the team who did the Foley or the sound design are resting on their laurels a little bit. You know, they've got the iconic sound design of the TARDIS and the sonic screwdriver and all the rest of it. And and maybe Mm. they're just letting things go a little bit with that because we had the headless monks also. Or maybe it's just all the sound design for the papal mainframe and church of the silence. Maybe all the sound design for that is just a bit bobbins. Maybe, although I quite like the alarm. That was quite distorted and quite nice. But I, I don't know. I get what you're... The, the headless monks did sound like um, a, a constipated pig trying to eat an apple. <laughs> so, you know. That's good. Can you do an impression of that for me? No, just just watch the, the episode with headless monks. Okay, yeah, that's that's somewhat easier. Now, it's really interesting, actually, the fact that we have spent so much time away from this episode before we reviewed it has allowed me to get a bit of distance and and have a bit of cognitive time with it. And um, I wasn't a big fan, I have to say, of this episode when it came out at Christmas. I think I had so much expectation, so much coming Mm. out of the anniversary. And I think the thing to say about the anniversary is that Moffat absolutely delivered on all of his promises in that episode and so i was thinking last ever matt smith he's got to tie together the last three series he's got to give matt an amazing final and he's got to introduce peter capaldi but he's got it you know he's got it he can do it he delivered on the anniversary he's going to deliver on this and then when i watched it i thought he did not he no he didn't he piled too much on he tried so hard and the crack showed, quite literally. <laughs> um, but having watched it now, six months later, oh, there's some really lovely bits They really, in it. really are. It's true. Wake up, Doctor. It's 8.15. Time to get up. Why did you just hit me in the face? I was pressing the snooze button. I've got a question for you guys. What? In holy heck is a pterodactyl? 
It sounds like a machine it's at the gym. It's the monster from the, the 1982 story called The Visitation, yeah. starring Peter Davison. It's the one what broke the sonic screwdriver mm. by stepping on it in a burning building. He didn't <gasps> step on it, he shot it. Did he shoot he it? He shot it. Oh. It's also the one that started the Great Fire of London. No, well, no, not, but he, no, they but didn't start it, that, did they? Yeah. There was a fight, and um, there was another bit of a gun firing which set fire to some hay in the corner, if I remember correctly. Totally hates hay. But loves fire. So loves the, fire. That's yeah, the only thing you need to know about it. Hates hay, loves fire. Where shall we attack London from? Pudding Lane? Yes, sounds good. <laughs> Sweet. That must be a strategic play, base of uh, London, because we all know how much the British love pudding. We I do love pudding. I love pudding. Mm, me love too. It. We Amen. did have some excellent pudding today, actually. We did Doctor Who mm, themed Doctor pudding. Who cupcakes. My very excellent friend Helen made some cupcakes for my birthday. And uh, one of them had the TARDIS on it. The other one, a marzipan TARDIS, which even had the pool to open sign and the St. John ambulance badge. <laughs> and um, another one had Tom Baker's scarf. And then another one had the diamond logo. And another one had jelly babies. It was an extraordinary feast for the senses. And listeners can go on the Facebook page if they would like to see those cakes in all their digital glory. Speaking of chewing on things, why does Clara chew on her hologram projector when the doctor gives it to her? He, puts he, he says, swallow this, oh. and then she just keeps sort of sucking and chewing on it like it's some sort of lozenge. Maybe it's tasty. A chewy hologram projector. I don't think you'd want to just swallow a hologram projector whole. Well, I mean, do, do you need to sort of separate it before it will work? Is it like mm. one of those little pouches that you get where you have to pop it to create a chemical reaction that heats things up? You're thinking human technology. I'm sure Time Lord technology is soluble. <laughs> That's a step up on Douglas Adams, isn't it? You know, clothes that you can swallow. Look good on the inside. Yeah. Andrew, what did you think? I agree with you, Sigma, in that my expectations were for a great heroic finish for Matt Smith's Doctor. Um, I did like very much the idea of the Doctor being stuck in one place to stop a calamity. It's a wonderful idea that mm-hmm. this Doctor stops running. Mm, it's a wonderful yeah. idea. And he stops running for the best of intentions. Um, but um, it, it, for me, it lacked that ratcheting up, that final fight. You know, he basically dies of old age, which again is a beautiful idea, but somehow I, it didn't grab me. And I felt that again today. It didn't feel like the Doctor we'd followed over the last three series because of the ponderous uh, makeup, uh, because Matt was, I don't know why I've started calling him by his first name, I apologise, because Matt Smith had to act differently and mm. stuff, it didn't feel like the triumphant 11th Doctor, mm. and I'm sure that's what Stephen Moffat was going for, something very different, but I feel like we wanted to see the fall of the 11th, exactly. and we mm. sort of saw the fall of... I felt that very much as well, uh, and I was so pleased that we saw him in the TARDIS that one last time but I felt you know he just sort of walks away kind of thing you know he's just there and he says right I'm going now here's a speech which is a beautiful speech and mm. delivered with such genuine feeling from Matt Smith but he just sort of steps off the stage somehow there's no big bang 
in even the way that the regeneration is staged, I felt didn't have that Which sense is literally of, a big bang. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a cathartic change from one to the other where you see the change happening. But that's one of the things I liked. Uh-huh. After, after the last regeneration was so overly sentimental and so drawn out, this was relatively quick and actually fairly unsentimental. I know there was some sentiment in there and it, it was well done I think and it was kind of measured rather than overblown yeah um and actually most of my reaction about this was I loved this but because it was the opposite of day of the doctor and I think a lot of people being unsatisfied with this is because it's kind of after the Lord Mayor show mm. we've had a massive massive event episode and this ends in such a low-key way compared to that that obviously people aren't going to be happy with it some people because it's it's not raising the game again. It's sort of well, I've already raised the game once. I'm going to take this down to move on, and because you can't always, perf- you know, go on at, at such a high level. Did you share a sense that um, it it wasn't what you were expecting, or that it wasn't quite? You know, there was one thing <laughs> that I wasn't expecting. Um, the moth always does humour well. I don't understand why he needed to resort to nude jokes constantly in the first half to make that happen Um, and it's not that i'm against it it's not that i didn't you know i i think it's it's wrong in any way but it just wasn't funny that is true yeah Mm. it wasn't funny actually and and it was completely without context and suddenly there's this whole hilarious thing about oh you need to be nude to go to church do you well he was there to get the gag about hiding the key in his wig no, because that was a different. That was all about being bored and. No, that was all part of the same thing. That how does he get down to the planet with the key if he's not wearing clothes? Oh yeah, oh, okay, but, yeah, that's and true. Then, and that in turn was a joke about how can we make a joke about the fact that our lead actor is bored this one time? Yeah, yeah. But it was, and and this I think is the crux of what the problem I have with it is that it's a series of good ideas and some startlingly great ideas strung together but the amount of acrobatics that's needed to get them to fall into a line is so much that it falls apart and i don't even think it's that necessarily i think it's possibly the pressure of having had something so big before mm. means okay we need to do something spectacular to get between a and b when actually a and b being quite moving scenes that actually humor is working brilliantly in because the the places where i felt the humor worked the best in this episode were the more um perhaps sentimental but the more moving scenes that it seemed to work better then with like with handles dying i thought that was particularly funny and particularly and the end <laughs> um but it just it seemed like it was sort of a step too far to make everything else funny if it had just left it with a and b and then a relatively calm transition between the two it it might have been a little bit less cringeworthy i don't know i thought the fact that he was naked um, around it gave the granny some really funny lines which made what she was talking about later with how much she loved her husband and wanted that moment to remain the same Mm. even more poignant but you know just things like the sexual chemistry between Tasha Lem and the doctor the point where he's sitting on the bed and we know that he's naked and she's naked and she leans over him to switch on the bloop 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 <laughs> message and as La she does her, his little feet stick up in the air like he's all sort of like oh she's gonna oh. touch me and then she doesn't <laughs> but you know that was funny I found that quite amusing 
not as quite not as amusing as I found the android boyfriend, which is you know, <laughs> somewhere on a distant star. There's a little metal man pining away for our double-hearted hero. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, the, it's still the moth, so there are still some great lines sprinkled mm. in there. Um, what was the name of the popess lady? Tasha Lim. Tasha Lim. Tasha Lim, I think, is a very interesting character in that she seems to come out with a lot of lines that you would normally give to River Song. There's a bit in it about. There's been a psychopath inside you for centuries and you've yeah. always had to manage it. There's something about her flying the TARDIS and she's always been able to fly the TARDIS. There's, she but feels, not being able she to feels, fly the Doctor. Yeah, she feels so much like River Song, but it's completely unearned. This closeness, this connection is unearned. Which one of you, mm. Chris, has thought that maybe she is River Song? Me. But I understand, I know that River Song has no regenerations left and she's trapped in a computer but when you say the closeness is unearned of course she's going to be like river song river song grew up from an offshoot of her church she learned all the same rituals and was raised in the same way with the same people so she's sort of river song major she's the the was she uh, root root river so didn't she grow up with she's the source. amy and rory she's the source uh, for some of but there's that whole thing of her she had a couple of strands of life didn't she because she got brainwashed and mm. raised by the Kaverian chapter as well who would no, have she, been she like, was created by them so i i would i would assume they must have kind of implanted or yeah yeah implanted something of that in her anyway so mm. it's sort of her instinct is to do that so, but but yeah. just from my point of view as a person watching the episode i didn't feel like she could be that familiar with the doctor like mm. i did but i feel she, like that's something that should be built up over time that's but she's what a I powerful enough entity in her own right and like that she's got that brilliant line which i which i loved you know none of this was for you you fatuous egotist yeah. nobody speaks to the doctor like that and gets away with it and but that's kind they've got this relationship of equals which i really enjoyed seeing being performed me me too i really enjoyed it as it was, I just felt like it was too immediate. Like it should be something that we see. And it's I a don't bit know. of a shock. Yeah. It's a bit like when you've got a best friend, um, you didn't know that they've had this relationship with this woman that you've just met, and it's like, oh, I didn't mm. know about that. Feel a bit left out. That's yeah. that's why the whole those those whole scenes of of the really touchy feely flirty stuff made me feel quite uncomfortable. So hang on a minute, who? you mm. why are you doing this to like somebody that we've never seen you meet and i, I don't know maybe it is that sort of but you're not someone we know and the doctor isn't exactly a i don't know a, a respecter of power so it's not that he's suddenly impressed by this very powerful woman so he'll he'll let her do whatever she wants to him if you know what i mean it that i don't know it provokes some strange things in my head like that, that this yeah. doesn't it's an odd feel right she she's an odd choice of squeeze for the doctor isn't she but she she's pretty impressive and she's a really good character yeah. intriguing all right interview begins at 1100 hours detective gibbs and flint present suspect is barnable tinsel balls arrested in conjunction with the multiple homicide over on reindeer avenue yesterday evening well 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 barney we have to stop meeting like this you're going down for a long time for this, my son. And me and Detective Gibbs? Well, we've got all night to beat a confession out of you. So come on, what were you doing around ten on the night in question? I was doing a couple of murders, actually. I'm completely guilty, detectives. 
Interview ends at 9.01. Well, I guess that's lunch then, Phil. Excellent. I could murder a donut. Me too. I think you've done enough murdering for one day, Barney. (laughs) 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 You're right. I totally have. There's a certain amount of sidelining of Clara in this episode. So there is the fact that she becomes the main squeeze. Uh, Clara keeps getting sent away, actually. And then right at the moment of regeneration, where, you know, it's a real close Mm. thing to witness a regeneration, you have Amy coming in um, and the Doctor Mm. seeing Amy. So I I feel like I'd be a little bit annoyed if I was Clara. (laughs) She constantly seems to be getting sidelined. There's plenty of little moments that I noticed watching it today of, of Clara being a little bit jealous, a little bit sad when the doctor's with Tasha, uh, when he's intimate with anyone, she's doing a lot of sideways looks, a lot of sad moments. She admits that she fancies yeah, she yeah. does say that. Yeah, she does, doesn't she? In the, little, in the truth field. And it's the same when they're having the conversation on top of the church tower about, you know, why doesn't he just save himself? And she, mm. she's, she's got this funny expression on her face where she's kind of half smiling the whole way through. Like she has forgotten almost how to take the measure of him. But let's not forget that Clara had a journey sort of almost unshielded through the time vortex. I think that's going to come back at some point in a future Mm. series because the look on her face when she steps off after being flung around for however long it was for her. I mean, the fact that you only see the back of her head initially when when Mm. the TARDIS lands made me think something awful, something terrible has happened. Imagine if they did just like her face melted off. (laughs) Yeah. He touches her shoulder with his stick and she crumbles into a pile of brittle bones. And like meat strands. Speaking of the the Tasha Lem, I know it's kind of taking it back a little bit, but Tasha Lem's costumes were incredible. Yeah. That whoever is doing the costume design is knocking it out of the ballpark. The whole time I think, you know, everything from the um extended dog collars on all of the soldiers who are part of the papal um church thingy the holy papal mainframe they've all got dog collars and that's part of their uniform everything down to the doctor and how his coat gets bigger as he ages so Mm. it sort of hangs off him as if his flesh is withering inside which is brilliant and speaking of which, did anybody notice how he put on his coat like President Bartlett when he went out to <laughs> face off with, with the Daleks, which he knows? President Bartlett puts on his coat like that because Martin Sheen can't put on his jacket any other way. So is it that he's got very stiff shoulders? I don't know the reason. I just know that it's the actor. It wasn't something that was directed. Ah, well, because if it was stiff shoulders, didn't I hear a rumour somewhere that Matt Smith had injured himself and had to use a stick, which is why he was limping around everywhere. He Apparently he hurt himself on the set of the name of the Doctor, which is why we don't see him carry Clara out of his timeline. Ah. Huh. Okay, because I thought that physically, Matt Smith did a really good job of the ageing process. I mean, granted, there were lots of parts where he let let it go a bit too far and he was a bit sprightly, but things like... He, he would go and do a characteristic spin and a whirl and just wouldn't quite manage it and would sort of hop halfway around the spin because he hadn't got that fluidity of movement. And I thought that was um, really good acting, which was in many ways better than the makeup. 
Yes. Yeah. Many it, things were better than the makeup. I, I did notice the first time he ages, his face was made up to be aged, but not his neck. Or his hands. And the second time they did it much better, but the first time it's, oh, okay, you're wearing a mask. <laughs> we don't know how Time Lord's age. They can age That's face true. first. Time Lord necks are the most resilient towards yeah, the aging Yeah, they've got better skin on the necks. <laughs> have you noticed your Time Lord starting to age? They do that, despite what doctors will tell you. And I bet you didn't know that there is not one, but 13 signs of aging in a Time Lord. How can you spot them? Here's a secret that not many people know. That's why it's a secret. Looking for wrinkles or dark spots on their necks or hands will not help. These age at a much slower rate than other Time Lord body parts, especially if they have a diet that consists of 100% marshmallow. Full body aging on Time Lords doesn't really kick in until they've been fixing small wooden toys while living in a clock tower for 700 years. This might seem like just one very specific sign of aging. But here's the science bit. Time Lords get 13 goes at this living thing, so it happens 13 times. We reckon that's pretty much the same thing. Was it me or was he doing a um, doc from Back to the Future with the whole yeah, a bit uh, at clock the tower? End. Uh, for people know. at home, Andy is demonstrating movements that Doc <laughs> might do in Back to the shield. Future. That's that's the time. kind of if you if you want to play a power guitar thing <laughs> riff, then you windmill your arm like that. Well, I quite liked it. You know, even though he's ending as an old guy who we don't quite recognise, there's still that sort of blood and fire and thunder. Well, well, you say we don't recognise, but actually, I saw quite a lot of William Hartnell in that last scene when he's oh, shouting at the nice. Daleks because he suddenly becomes this old man who is sort of grumpy and despondent because he doesn't have a plan. Suddenly a solution appears and he's shouty, he's belligerent, he's he's confident again and that's exactly like William Hartnell in some And he episodes. is because yeah. he's the first of the new regeneration cycle. Yeah, and it's sort of it's it's almost it like a cycle. That that seems like an incredibly crass thing to say, but you know, it's a proper cycle. He becomes his first um iteration before he changes completely and I think that's really nice whether it's intentional or not I do like his summing up of how he usually forms a plan (laughs) so um, I don't know I haven't got a clue I'll um, talk 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 very fast fast. hope something good happens take the credit that's how it goes (laughs) welcome leader you are just in time to observe our two groups of cadets in training excellent what stages have they reached? Group Alpha are on rudimentary target acquisition and indiscriminate blasting. I will see. Yes, leader, through here. Cadets, you have been instructed. Stop shooting so straight! Always aim slightly to the left! That's better! And Group Beta? Group Beta are being instructed in elementary long-winded taunting of extermination targets! Show me! 
Yes, leader. Dalek Tark, your turn. Remember, long words are your friends. Finally, Doctor, you are temporarily trapped in the join between two walls. We have been awaiting this opportunity for an exponentially lengthy amount of time. And now you will be exterminated! Exterminate! Exterminate! Ex... Where did he go? Well, leader? Very satisfactory! Keep up the good work! So there's um, a lot of excellent writing as part of this, you know, now we're coming back to it in a way that the story sort of gets in the way of some of the writing. There's that beautiful speech at the end about death, isn't it really? About that feeling of losing, because everybody's frightened of dying, everybody's scared mm. of mortality. And how we're all different people as we grow, that's mm. a really interesting Death point. and ageing. Just for you, a time lord, it's more so. First you watch him age, and then he takes you through the whole process of ageing and accepting death in that one speech, which is really, really beautiful and um another thing that was wonderful there's a the lovely theme that plays when everybody's emerging from the church which sort of oh made me almost start welling up immediately it sounds a little bit like um it is quite funereal so those mournful violins and then a little bit of eleven's theme comes in and it's very very beautiful um work i think you're right that the the writing does get in the way of itself because that last speech is beautiful. Mm. But I wanted to see him, if he was going to regenerate in that bombastic fashion, I don't see how he becomes the young one again and then regenerates again. So it seems like that only happens so that he can deliver that speech. Mm. And that happens that to number 10 as well. Um, where, sorry to interrupt, but... Um, the tenant doctor, he's all wounded and stuff, and then he goes into a oh, reset, yes, and does, then he regenerates. He? Oh, okay. So, because yeah, he thinks it's over, thing. doesn't he? Yeah. And then suddenly comes a new. But I just feel that's a, that's it. Feels like things. Why does things happen in this episode? Because mm. Moffat wants to do something cool, or say something cool, or tie up an end. Which mm. is the question I wanted to ask. Do you feel that this does tie up? The, the three season arc I um, not in a way that satisfies me no it kind of feels a bit like uh, um, oh yes I need to tie up those threads uh, and the problem I've got with it is that e even as an avid viewer of Doctor Who I can't really remember what happened in Matt Smith's first season that needed tying up three years later so I feel it it, it it's not satisfied me, even though perhaps if I fought it through, it has been tied up. Do you mean up. from a perspective of it's taken so long to get to the answer that it kind of just doesn't matter anymore? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel it in my head. Yep, it works. But I don't feel it in my heart. Like, oh, that was great. But, mm. it, but I mean, there are so many motifs, not just the crack, that that are used to link this last episode with his first ever one. Like um, at some point there's a tiny little ginger kid who says he's going to wait for him. <laughs> it's just this one happens to be oh, a boy yeah. and that's the reason he goes back 
yeah. as well. Yeah. But I also, I love the little, the little tiny points of emotion, touchstones of emotion throughout the episode, like Clara sets five places at her Christmas dinner, even though she's not seen him for years and there's mm. you know only four people there there's five glasses on the table and just little sort of touches like that 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 yeah makes me agree with Andy Matt Smith has been enough in himself and the whole the whole over of the show has been enough by itself that it didn't need to come back into a seamless pinch I'm Officer Fern from the CPD Internal Affairs I want a word with you of course Fern what do you need Word on the street is that you're a dirty cop, Gibbs. Is that true? Are you taking bribes? Nope. Are you sure? Yes. It wouldn't be ethical, and anyway, I'll get caught immediately, because none of us can lie. I've got my eye on you, Gibbs. The moment you slip up, I'm going to be there. Do you ever think your job's kind of redundant, Fern? Some days, I don't even know why I get up in the morning. So um, let's all sum up how we felt about the episode Time as a Doctor. I wanted a Big Bang, but didn't get one. Should watch the Big Bang too. Yay! (laughs) Um, I thought it was kind of in stages. It went from farce to slightly confusing. Um, but quite moving um, resolution and back to farce I think in in quite a few instances but I thought it tied things together well enough maybe for someone new to move on I thought it was a string of great ideas that groaned under the weight of the expectation of what it had to achieve And because of that, everything moves slightly out of place. Moffat is a craftsman, but this is a piece of art that has had so much pressure exerted on it that it slid. So it's not quite recognisable as what it was supposed to be, I think. But still beautiful in its own right. So not not quite a diamond, still slightly coaly. Maybe a little bit. I thought it was like a spotted dick. Um... In that there was again. a lot of there was a lot of spongy, fluffy filler surrounding some delicious, juicy currants, and probably covered in custard with a fish finger on top. <laughs> Can I ask a question that needs a one-word answer from everybody before we finish? Do it. Do you think it was a fitting end for Matt Smith's time as the Doctor? Yes. I want to say yes, but I'm going to say no. Chris? Mostly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would probably say yes as well. Uh, The time of the Doctor. Aging stranger stays. Fills crack, saves day and Christmas. Times change, so must he. Oh, you're a wordsmith and a half. Did you do that this afternoon? Uh, Yes. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed our slightly delayed return. But don't worry, it's not long before we get our new season. Just a month or so. Just a month or so. I'm excited. So it's goodbye from me, Laura Sigma. It's goodbye from me, Andy. It's goodbye from me, Chris Alpha. 
And it's goodbye for me, Chris Sigma, and uh, and quite a long goodbye um, because I'm going away for 10 weeks now, so I won't be here for quite a few episodes, but I shall try and phone in from the US where I will be. Uh, so, yes, bye-bye again for a while. <laughs>
campaign to dominate Transalore is failing. The Papal Mainframe continues to detect our scouts with their sensor array. But cyber technology will overcome. Our cyber strike force is preparing new units. Engineer, report. Report. Cyber controller, our first unit is ready for their mission. We have stripped away all extraneous metal parts and replaced them with specialized stealth material. The unit will approach. I am ready for action! Please observe. This unit is fluffy and white, like snow. I am camouflaged! It can walk with minimal noise disruption. Muffled footsteps are just one of my many cyber capabilities. It is highly absorbent. No more oil leaks. Is it made of cotton wool? Yes, the ultimate in battle technology. I look like a happy cloud. What happens if I poke it with my finger like this? My spleen! My spleen! Perhaps we have miscalculated. Our second unit is designed with more robust casing material. Excellent. Step forward, Unit 2. It is completely organic and yet firm to the touch. Using this unit, we will gain access to the heart of Christmas. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Wait, my senses detect a delicious aroma. Are those crumbs on the floor? Why is this unit so greasy? This unit is a sandwich. A stealthy bacon death sandwich. Please note the baguette-like casings and pork side flaps. The bacon is ours. I do not understand. How will this unit conquer the doctor? Heart disease. Our plan is for the doctor to eat this unit. I am lubricated with butter. I contain none of the recommended five a day. Two hearts, one stone. This plan will take too long. Consign this unit to the cyber shades. <laughs> Engineer, your work so far has been unimpressive. What else can you suggest to lead us to glorious victory? There's always the wooden one. The wooden one that blows flames out of his arm. We thought fire would be more frightening. Your mental programming is deficient. Still, we are running low on options. Bring it out. Incinerate. <laughs>